Welcome to What It Really Means. I'm Brad Shepard, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Harrell. Uh, thanks uh, so much for giving me the opportunity to co-host with you as we dive into the news uh, and uh, try to tell folks what it really means. Yeah, absolutely. That's the idea. You know, every day, working class people get an overload of information from the mainstream media. We want to be able to tell you what it really means. We're going to dive in for you and, and help you figure that out. So that's the idea here, and we hope you'll enjoy it and support us. Now, with that being said, let's dive right into it. There's a really important topic here I want to talk about, Paul. It's the coup attempt. And, you know, this is a really, really important topic, but I feel like it doesn't get the momentum it should. I think because it's just not a, you know, a sexy topic, so to speak. It's not a flashy headline it's one of those things that's really important that people should read and should know, but it, it's not necessarily the most exciting topic either. So I think a lot of people overlook it, and that's an enormous mistake. Paul, what's your take on this? Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree, Brad. And uh, he, here's the thing. It may not be a very sexy topic, but you have to go back to 2016. You have to pay attention to the fake news and what the media was saying then. Um, and how they were seeding the consciousness of the American public uh, to bring us the Russia hoax that they did. So over at the American Mind, uh, Michael Anton or Michael Anton uh, has this uh, piece um, from a couple of days ago, The Coming Coup, Democrats are laying the groundwork for revolution right in front of our eyes. Uh, it is a really good piece. Uh, there, there's a few things here I'll go over. Um, uh, as nationwide riots really got rolling in early June, uh, the sitting Secretary of Defense himself all but publicly told the president not to invoke the Insurrection Act. Uh, his implicit uh, message was, Mr. President, don't tell us to do that because we won't, and you know what happens after that. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with everything uh, that Michael writes here, um, <clears throat> but he does list a few examples here about how Vice President Biden uh, not once, uh, not twice, but thrice confidently asserted that the military will escort the president from the White House. Now, this is what they're trying to seed in your mind, in my opinion, that they're, that, that Trump is going to lose and he's going to refuse uh, to leave the White House. Uh, it's very, very similar, and, and uh, Michael makes this point, very similar what they did with the, you know, you remember, I'm sure, Brad, the 17 U.S. intelligence agencies oh, have all yes. agreed that, that Russia is, <laughs> is interfering in our election. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's very similar, um, and you read the piece as well, right? I mean, the, this, this idea that there is a coming coup or a potential one that the Democrats are planning. Absolutely, I did. I mean, I think the idea was first actually floated a long time ago, and that when you look at uh, the first place that I heard, oh, Trump won't leave the White House if he loses the election. The first time I heard that actually was Bill Maher. He was saying that on his show Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO. And, and then I noticed it picked up momentum with Democrats um, this year. So it, it's it's something they absolutely ran with. And it's a real scary thing. I mean, you saw it with Mad Cow Mattis. I mean, that guy. Whew. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's important to make a distinction here as we talk about the generals, the significant difference between 
the soldiers, so to speak, the people on the front lines uh, versus the generals who in significant numbers get hired by defense contractors as part of the military industrial complex, right? So they don't necessarily always have completely soldiers or Americans' best interests at heart, potentially. I mean, I think that's that's a big distinction. Do you agree? Oh, well, yeah, definitely. And the president even called him out, you know, that uh, some of the folks over at the Pentagon, you know, don't like me so much. And, and you know, he made that connection between the, uh, you know, the government and these these private, if you want to call them that, you know, government contractors. I don't really know where the line ends. It's, you know, the line between the private and the and the public kind of gets blurry there, uh, especially when we're talking about making weapons. Um, uh, but yeah, to your point, uh, definitely there's a difference between, uh, you know, some of the folks in the upper echelons and the, and the soldiers. Um, I, I do think though, there's, there, there obviously are, uh, members high up in the military that do support the president. And you've got to assume also that the president, you know, keeps those people very close to him, but we don't have a monolithic government either. I think if, if anything, that's the biggest truth that we've learned over the last four years is that, uh, our government isn't monolithic because you have the deep state, the deep state's real and, uh, they don't want actual change, uh, in the country. They liked the trajectory that we've been going for decades and you have the president who's real, you know, willing to, uh, attempt to change that in substantial ways, uh, and, you know, in many ways, it's what uh, the Republicans have been uh, promising but never actually doing for decades. And he actually gets in there and does it. And, uh, you know, they do everything they can to stop him. And, and that's that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, this uh, I do want to go back to this report real quick or this article again, The American Mind, The Coming Coup, Michael Anton. Um, he talks about this leaked report uh, that came out where. Uh, they said, quote, technocratic solutions, courts, and reliance on elites observing norms are not the answer. This has to do with a war game uh, where the chief, former chief of staff of uh, Hillary Clinton, or, or I guess the, the White House, uh, when Bill was in, the, uh, was in the White House, John Podesta, Bill Clinton, they're playing these war games. What's going to happen? Uh, and then you had uh, Hillary Clinton come out a few weeks after that report was leaked. This uh, report says, you know, purposely leaked, uh, saying that Joe Biden should not concede the election under any circumstances. Um, you know, again, seeding the psyche of the American public here. Uh, and so the question is asked in this piece, why are the Democrats publicly talking about the conspiracy? And he writes, quote, because they know that for it to succeed, it must not look like a conspiracy. They need to plant the idea in the public mind now that their unlawful and illegitimate illegitimate removal of President Trump from office will somehow be his fault. Um, and then it kind of goes into a scenario of what's going to happen if the media um, which, you know, and we can't trust the mainstream media. We know that. But yeah. what if the president wins convincingly, but the media just does the complete opposite, does a 180 like they've done a ton of different times in his presidency and say that he loses? Uh, he goes on here to say that immediately all of his social media accounts are going to be banned. And we've seen this happen with other personalities. And now and, and just saying how they're going to try to silence him um and uh, they are now saying that then the military would have to remove him. Um, and, and so this this is just like 
the what they did in 2016 with Russia, and I think it's something we need to be paying attention to. I completely agree. By the way, the irony of Hillary Clinton uh, criticizing Donald Trump for, you know, potentially not leaving, not accepting election results. Uh, it, you know, by the way, this is a person who said when Trump said he wouldn't necessarily accept elect election results at face value, she called him a threat to democracy. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting reversal in course for Hillary Clinton, who now, of course, as you mentioned, is telling Joe Biden, do not concede under any circumstances. Yeah. So as you said, they're putting this plan in place. They even went through scenarios on George Soros's dime as to what happened again, like you mentioned, and said it would be a street fight. So, man, it's going to get ugly. And big tech is involved because big tech is saying we're going to censor and remove posts which claim that election results have come out when maybe it could take weeks for them to come out. So there's an alliance here uh, of the DNC, of big tech, of all these groups to potentially set the table for the coup. Yeah, you are exactly right. And uh, to your point there uh, about uh, a street fight, not a legal battle, I mean— I we do have this report from USA Today, or I, I have this report I'm looking at. William Cummings, USA Today, uh, quote, if it's close, watch out. Biden says he has 600 lawyers. This was a story from this week. 600 lawyers ready to fight uh, the election. Um, but like you said, if they've got big tech and they've got the media on their side, which they firmly do. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be bad. Um, and I want to read this part of the story. But again, back to this uh, American mind piece. Uh, it says, what then? The Podesta assumption is that the military will side with Dems. There are reasons to fear they might. Uh, the Obama administration spent a great deal of political capital purging the officer corps of anyone not down with the program and promoting only those who are. Uh, again, this goes back to my previous point. I really think, uh, you know, while the government's not monolithic, you got to think that Trump is also gaming this out as well. I mean, if the Democrats are gaming it out, Trump is gaming it out as well. Um and uh, this is that part in the article also where it did talk about, uh, I guess, muting the president. Uh, if the media were to lie about the results, um, it says um, they also need it says that Trump would need to then in advance set up sure communication channels that don't rely on the media or big tech. Because once the ruling class gives the word that the narrative is Trump loss, all the president's social media accounts will be suspended. The TV channels, uh, with the likely exception of Fox News, will refuse to cover anything. Don't count on that, by the way, on the Fox News part, in my opinion. Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> yeah, he's going to need a way to talk to the American people. So th this is part of the story, Brad. Okay, so he's going to need a way to talk to the American people. So if this terrible, terrible speculation is true, and like it's doomsday scenario, okay, uh, and they do try to do this. They do try to do a coup. I, when I read that part, I, I remembered back in, um, I think it was 2018, and the story I went back and pulled was a ABC News uh, article from October 3rd of 2018. Uh, and I want to see if people remember this. It was only a test, but some people were annoyed anyway. It was a presidential alert, but Trump didn't write the message. This is through FEMA. I don't know if you remember this, but I got a message on my phone, and it's the uh, presidential alert uh, uh, that he has now access through FEMA to send a presidential alert to every phone in America 
Um, and that's kind of when I started thinking, well, maybe Trump is gaming this out as well. I mean, thinking well far ahead. I mean, with the danger of big tech, with the media clearly uh, being biased and even more by, I mean, they're hostile. They're openly deceiving the American people. Yes. Um, you know, the president has set up, you know, you know, f- for a federal emergency. And I think a coup is certainly would qualify to use this system where he can send a text and communicate directly to the American people. So I think that's something uh, that they are gaming for uh, if this were to happen. Yeah, and a big part of that plan is mail-in balloting, right? I mean, you know, you produce enough harvested ballots lawfully or or not to tip close states, and then you dispute those results in those close states and insist, no matter what the tally says, Biden won. And again, you will have the leftist corrupt mainstream media doing your bidding. So you have their support as Democrats to promote that fake news. That's very dangerous because if you call the election very quickly, if you call the election one way or another and you promote the idea, maybe the election isn't over yet. Maybe you're used to the election being over at that night late, but maybe this time... It's not over right away until we call it as the media. We're going to tell you who wins. Forget yeah. about the ballots. We're going to call it. And that builds, you know, there's there's a mental aspect to that. It, it really builds the idea that the Democrats won, whether it's true or not. It's really, really dangerous. And I think the media, they play a big component. That's the third piece mentioned in this article is the dim lift propaganda machine. And that includes the key influencers in the mainstream media. Um I'm sure you agree. Really, really dangerous component of this. Yeah. I, you know, I remember uh, sitting on my couch in my living room, uh, election night 2016. And, I, you know, I um, bef- before um, you gave me the opportunity to uh, to do this podcast, I, I hosted a radio program for 10 years uh, in Arkansas. And um, I obviously very well aware of the media. i I've seen what they do uh, over the the long term and the short term, obviously, and it's you know you you can't trust them. So I'm sitting there in 2016, and I'm I'm uh, I know what the polls are saying. I know you know he wins Florida. I know you know he wins uh, Ohio. He's you know is he going to win Wisconsin? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this they're not going to let this happen. I, the media is not going to let this happen. And I know CNN took forever to actually finally call it. Um, that's not going to happen this time. They're they're not going to call it like they normally would. They're not going to, um, whatever the count says, I just don't think they're going to concede again. I mean, Hillary Clinton telling Joe Biden not to concede under any circumstance is also Hillary Clinton telling uh, the media, do not call this thing on election night. And, and that's what's frustrating. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I, I hope he wins by such a large margin that there's no way it doesn't matter how many mail-in ballots are out. It's it still wouldn't make the difference. And that's what we need to think about, I think, as uh, uh, Trump supporters, as we we can't you know sit on our hands here. We've we got to get out. we got to tell people to vote. Absolutely. So important. And vote in person if you're able to. I, I think that's a key too. sorry. If you don't like that, that's too bad. You know, voting in person is the most reliable way. Agreed. And I get not everybody may be able to do that, but those who can, you absolutely should. And I don't think, by the way, if you if you do vote by mail for whatever reason and you're able to go in person to confirm that, you know, and Trump suggested that and they had a complete meltdown. Oh, it's illegal. He's telling people to vote twice. 
Yeah. No, he was simply saying, make sure your vote counts. If you're voting by mail, verify the accuracy by going to your polling station and confirming that they received your vote. And if they didn't, vote there. I mean, I think that makes complete sense, especially as we look at, you know, the Democrats, again, setting the table with the post office, pretending that there is some giant post office conspiracy. So it all sets the table. And of course, it seems like a color revolution, which, of course, is out of the deep state playbook where, you know, they go uh, other countries whose leadership they don't like and then oust them and pretend it's democracy. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. know, that that seems to be what it is here, right? Yeah, it does. And matter of fact, you know, uh, up the street from where I live. And by the way, it's funny, you know, because I do live in Arkansas. And so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're solidly going to go. Uh, for President Donald Trump and his uh, reelection, but uh, you know nobody really puts out yard signs uh, around here uh, in my neighborhood. But the Biden signs are out, and they're few. I mean, they are few. There are not many at all. But there's one guy, there's one household up the street from where I live that has a sign that says "Save the Post Office." That's all it says is save the post office. And I'm like, wow, you can tell where they're getting their information. I mean, they think it's a full on crisis. They feel they think like the mail's not going to show up the next day, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's interesting to to look and see. Uh, and I, I don't mean to be harsh here, but I, which households are brainwashed and which households are thinking for themselves? Um, I know that may be too harsh, but that's kind of where I am right now with this. Is I think it's it's uh, the mainstream media is literally brainwashing people uh in, in some instances yeah for sure they're the enemy of the people in a lot of ways i mean and you really have seen in particular lately cnn uh, and jake tapper trying to influence an election and a republican candidate there uh and chris cuomo and his hypocrisy and his total lunacy i mean these are the people that you know some people are relying on for their news and they've made it crystal clear that they can't be trusted. Uh, you know, it, it's so it's very, very fascinating to always see where people get their information from because it is very agenda driven, as you said. As we talked about the leftist lunacy, and, and this I thought was very fascinating. So while speaking at an event for Latina small business owners, Kamala Harris referred to her administration with Biden as a Harris administration together with Joe Biden. And then one day later, Biden called it a Harris-Biden administration. So my question for you, is this a Freudian slip or are they setting the table for the actual plan, which is to install Kamala Harris as president? Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I think it's pretty clear. Um, uh, what was it a Freudian slip? Yeah, I I, I suppose. Uh, I I don't think if Biden were elected, uh, he's going to serve out a full term. I think most everybody knows that. Um, it's actually quite sad. Um, uh, th well, there are two levels of of sadness here. The fact that Joe Biden uh, is being uh, put in this position, I, and I'm no Joe Biden fan. I, I'm just saying, you know. When somebody's going through the stages of dementia, uh, why why are you going to put them through this? You know why? You know there was a there's all kinds of speculation, but there's also you know multiple audio clips, multiple video clips of this guy. He's clearly not ready, uh, he, he you know to be president. And then you have this this you know Kamala Harris, 
uh, situation where I don't know how the Democrat Party is okay with this. And I mean people who actually believe in the nonsense. You have somebody that the Democrat delegates and the Democrat voters in the primary didn't want. She, she couldn't even win her own state. She dropped out. Her polls were horrible. Her polling in her home state was bad, which that should tell you something right there. It you know means that people over there they know her, they're annoyed with her. They don't you know they don't want her to be president. And yet, yeah. then she leapfrogs and is essentially the Democrat nominee. I mean, and that's what we're seeing here in the headlines. Joe Biden pitches a Harris Biden administration, and like you said, Kamala saying in a Harris administration, she's now the nominee. She's we're now running against Kamala Harris in all reality. And and so that those are I feel both of those things are sad um, that the Democrat Party once again is so corrupt. We know what they did to Bernie Sanders in 2016. Yeah. And here we go again. You know, absolutely. I mean, what they did to Bernie in 2016. I mean, you know, in, in some ways they still did it again in 2020. Um, and then, you know, like a good little cuck, he comes back for more time and time again and uh, supports the candidate that screwed him over. Don't get that <laughs> <Yeah>. one at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, to me, politicians at that level don't make statements like that that aren't thought out or prepared, right? So when you say something like a Harris administration together with Joe Biden or a Harris-Biden administration, that's intentional, right? There is a motive behind that. And, and it really makes me wonder if they are indeed setting the table for Joe to either exit the race or exit the presidency if he's elected. I mean, this guy is 78 in November, right? So he would be going into his 80s as president for sure in the first term. And he appears, I have to say it, he appears to have early stage dementia, right? I mean, you look at the guy, he doesn't know what state he's in, what elected office he's running for. He has difficulty reading the teleprompter. It's really, really an ugly situation. And it's embarrassing in the United States of America that we have a major party political candidate in this mental shape. Yeah. And, and it's embarrassing that the family of this guy is allowing this clown show. And and how can they allow this? How can the, the DNC allow this? I mean... Man, this is just really embarrassing, and I, and I feel it's elderly abuse. Yeah, yeah. The the only I agree with you there. It is elderly abuse. Um, I, the only theory that makes sense to me is is one that I've heard online, and it goes back to the uh, impeachment of Donald Trump. You know, over the phone call to the newly elected Ukrainian president. We know that Joe Biden uh, has made a lot of money exploiting his positions of power, betraying the American people's trust. We know his son has made a lot of money with the Ukraine and China. And uh, and there are there are others like him, by the way. Uh, maybe we can get into that at another date. But um, I, I guess what I think is um, with with the Ukraine situation, um, there's a lot of people besides Joe Biden who are corrupt in this. And if Joe Biden is the nominee, then there's really no way to prosecute Joe Biden or his son or his family for his crimes. And I want to be clear here, they're crimes, okay? What, what uh, and Rudy Giuliani's exposed this, but uh, that's, that's what we have here. The Biden administration, I mean, it's clearly, you know, pay to play. He's on tape 
uh, on the Council of Foreign Relations saying you're not getting the billion dollars of U.S. taxpayer money if you don't fire the prosecutor investigating my son. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and that, I think that's why they, they impeached him. They, they, they freaked out because they knew that Donald Trump was over the target. And they knew that they didn't have friendlies over there in the Ukraine anymore. They've got, we see, we're seeing this now with the Middle East peace process, by the way. There's a total global restructuring going on. And, and, and it's because for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, moving parts, but uh, the rest of the world governments, they seem to like President Trump. And they seem to like the change that he's enabling. And I, so I really believe this theory that that's why the Democrats, like you were, you were just saying, how can the DNC do this? Well, the DNC is run by uh, the elites. The DNC is run by the deep state. And if you got a bunch more people besides Joe Biden that have their hand caught in the cookie jar, uh, then you got to make Joe Biden the nominee to buy yourself some more time to avoid the House of Cards collapsing and the whole thing being exposed. And they're really lucky. I mean, can we? Can you imagine how fortunate? These corrupt politicians are, and not just in the Democrat Party, they're in the Republican Party as well. Can you imagine how fortunate they are that they have the media bought and paid for? Because if you actually had an honest press, uh, you know, in the mainstream media, all these guys would be in jail right now because the public would be demanding it. Yeah, including Hillary. And you, I don't know if you've seen the meme on that um, where she's on the phone. And they answer, and it says, um, suicide prevention hotline, how can I help you? And she <laughs> says, yes, I'd like to place an order. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. Oh, and, you know, I, I, I'm born and raised in Arkansas, so... Um, yeah, that's kind of an albatross for us, uh, that, uh, well, not me because I, I didn't, I wasn't alive to, to, or, uh, to vote or around or, or I guess 18 to vote. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sorry. I guess I'll just a collective apology from Arkansas for starting, uh, Bill Clinton on his political <laughs> career. And now he's, they're arguably the most powerful political family in the world. Uh, uh, my bad or our bad, I guess. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's okay. We will forgive you for that. <laughs> uh, but whew, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and I think the reason Joe Biden was the target, uh, the the person they want to use to advance their power and potentially install Kamala, uh, is that he was the most electable in their eyes. He was the name brand. He was part of the Obama administration, which in their eyes is a positive, uh, and, and so they felt like out of all the Democratic candidates they had in this election, and that also, of course, would push their ideas. You know, sorry, that I'm, I'm talking about you, Bernie. Um, that it would be Joe Biden. And so I think that's the idea behind getting Joe Biden in there and getting him elected. They know this guy. It's like, did you ever see the movie Weekend at Bernie's? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bur- yeah. Yeah, it's like Weekend at Biden's. Like, they're just dragging this guy around who's dead. He's... You know, he can't do anything. They're moving his body around, moving his mouth to talk. I mean, you know, this guy's reading off a teleprompter. He can't answer questions without it being pre-scripted. It's a disaster. You know, I don't know how this guy is going to debate Donald Trump. And if he does, it's not going to be pretty. 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be uh, more like the Darth Vader situation. You know, he's he's more machine now than he is man. I mean, he's going to have to have all these technological advancements to even get close to competing. I agree. And I also think, observation, did, did, did you think you could get worse than Hillary? And and I know Hillary is, you know, the worst political candidate in, in modern history, but she had health problems. Everybody knew she had health problems. How in the yeah. world do they not pick somebody who can actually, you know, function and and give people confidence. I mean, we had Hillary passing out, and then the Secret Service, you know, has to whisk her away. And then they picked a guy who at least Hillary could formulate thoughts and group words together in sentences. But, I mean, they, they, they've they regressed even more. They can't even pick a candidate that can do that, uh, that can actually communicate. It's, it's really and truly... Uh, I mean, you know, uh, in, in this case, we have, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. I don't think you would write something like this because nobody would believe it. Yeah, nobody would. Because, again, how do you go from someone in their 70s in bad health to someone who's even older and in even worse health? I mean, I remember, I'll never forget Hillary. She starts doing like the floppy fish and they grab her like a sack of meat and just throw her in the van and take off. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, and then she had that uh, chai latte she was sipping when she had the media around her. And and again, she started, I mean, in all seriousness, it seemed like she was having a seizure. Mm. Her head started shaking up and down. It was just kind of bizarre. So it was very clear uh, that Hillary Clinton had some level of health problems. And then, you know, fast forward to 2020 and Joe Biden is an even bigger disaster. Yeah, and I know the. I think the president. I read somewhere where he said, you know, we need to drug test the two candidates and, uh, uh, you know, see what what drugs Joe is on. You know, that, because the, he does have his better day. He doesn't have good days, but he does yeah. have. He clearly has better days. Yeah, uh, and that's when he's like, okay, you can come out of the basement. Okay, you know, he what was he standing in a wheat field today or something and. Uh, and, and everything. So they, they, they try to make the most of what they got. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I, I've worked on, uh, you know, a, a couple of campaigns. Uh, can you imagine if you're the campaign manager for Joe Biden? Like, and, and I mean, come, uh, come on, right? I mean, and you have to you have to tell your friends that clearly see through this facade that like, you know, you're, you're essentially just managing a decline here. Uh, and you're hoping again their only hope is the media and and the coup that we talked about, and they they're hiring six hundred lawyers. They don't think this man's gonna win. He's not even hiring. Uh, uh, you know, he didn't even hire campaign staff uh, in battleground states until very very late. I mean, there are there's a million signs that say that they don't think he can actually win. Um, and and they're just counting on you know the 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 fuel or the. Uh, the fake hatred out there that the media wants you to believe that everyone hates Donald Trump. They're all fueled by real hatred. Don't misunderstand me. But, um, man, it's only going to get worse. You know, between now and the election, and I know this is terrible because a lot of people have had a rough 2020, understandably so. But from here on to the election, I mean, it's just going to get exponentially worse. It's just in terms of the unbelievability of politics, you know, in 2020 in America. It's incredible. I mean, in fact, even today, there was an interview as we record this with Biden's co- uh, campaign manager with Politico, where, you know, when asked about organizers and, you know, should they be knocking on doors? Uh, <laughs> the response was, quote, doesn't really matter, unquote. <laughs> and, and so 
the bizarre thing to me is that kind of seems like the Hillary Clinton playbook all over again, right? Where she fails to go to Wisconsin, et cetera, yes. and loses the state and then acts like, you know, it was um, it was sexism. It cost it and not the fact that she didn't know how to run a campaign. <laughs> yeah, this, 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 it was sexism. They just they just didn't want the glass ceiling uh, to be broken, I guess. Those, those sexists up in Wisconsin, you know, unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So Biden's campaign isn't on fire, but apparently California is. Oh, boy. Those wildfires in California and the uh, lunatic left using this as an opportunity to blame President Trump for his stance on climate change. Whew. What are your yeah, thoughts I, on this? I, well, I saw the me. I saw the one of the memes that Gavin Newsom is going to actually uh, get the wildfires to stop by having all the trees wear masks. And then uh, I'm kind of a meme junkie. I mean, I know we all are, but uh, there's there's some good ones out there. I I, I mean, you know, uh, climate change is uh, well, you know, obviously, first it was global warming before that it was global cooling. Now it's you know, it's climate change. L literally, it's just anything. Um, you know, the the left is essentially uh, right now. The modern day left is, uh, you know, they're dogmatic. They are uh, uh, religious in a way. It's just a new religion. And climate change is a huge part of this of this new religion where there is no atonement for anything wrong you do. You're, you know, white privilege. There's no way to fix it. Right. And and climate change. Uh, well, climate change, you can fix it. You just the, the answers. All their answers are communism. If we'll be communist, then the climate will heal itself. It's it's kind of uh, wild. But um, I do have an article here about that. Uh, Stephen Nelson uh, headline Trump Newsom swap praise over handling of wildfires agree not to debate climate. So, yeah, Newsom, the governor of California, uh, says here, Newsom, a Democrat and Trump committed to improving forest management and avoiding a clash on whether climate change caused by fossil fuels is responsible uh, as Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden said in a speech Monday. So you have Joe Biden saying, uh, well, it's climate change. But Newsom and Trump meeting face to face. Newsom's like, you know what? Yeah, we need to manage our force a little better. And that's really what this is about. Uh, I also and I was when I was researching this topic, Brad, I also couldn't help but remember seeing some of the memes that uh, were, were pictures of maps of all the wildfires. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was like, well, why do the wildfires all, all stop at the Canadian border? Why does climate <laughs> change all stop at the Canadian border? I saw um, and of course, you know, if you Google it, or if you use another search engine, uh, other than Google, it's still a lot of PolitiFact and Snopes that are, or a Forbes, I saw a Forbes piece about it, uh, saying that, no, you know, there are fires in, in, in Canada, but, um, you know, I don't know how much of it's true or not. I, I will tell you this, though. Watching the media react to the idea of actual or, or, or react to the spreading of the actual reports of people setting these wildfires, people setting the brush fires and the idea that it could be Antifa or it could be, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter or just any of these agitators. Uh, man, they wanted to put that story down in a hurry. Anytime you see the media, you know this, in lockstep trying to, quote, debunk a conspiracy theory, um, I almost always know that it's true or that there are uh, you know, hints of truth or yeah. shreds of truth in the overall narrative, because you know when they try to shut it down uh, like that, it, it, just, it's a tell. It's just like a, you know sitting across somebody uh, in poker. You know, you know that they've you know you you know 
that they don't have what they say they have. Um, I, I do I do have this from the Daily Wire. Man arrested for starting wildfire with Molotov cocktail gets released from jail, starts six more fires. And this is according to the police. Damn and, climate and, change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's that climate change. You know, it, that's that's what it is. It's 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 uh, it's climate change. Um, and uh, it's caused by fossil fuels. You know, it's caused by petroleum and and uh, you know everything. Carbon else. footprints. And, and Joe Biden's going to tell you all about it, and then get into his private jet and go home. That's right. Uh, it, it's really incredible. I mean, you know, this really defines the lunatic left. You know, and I know not all Democrats are that way, but. You know, this lunatic left movement has taken over the party, and it's a very, very bad thing. But we saw those arsonists set oh, yeah. fires, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, we, we saw them set fires. I mean, uh, I mean, they're throwing Molotov cocktails in major cities, and, and this one, that story I just referenced, I mean, he started the brush fire with a Molotov cocktail, you know? I mean, if it works, uh, if it works inside, uh, you know, major cities, I guess it'll work pretty good out in the, uh, out in the brush. But they want you to deny it. They want you to believe, forget these arrests. We're not going to cover those. We want you to believe that it's climate change. But in reality, what it is, is bad forest management. And we know federal policy has prevented good forest management uh, for a long time in federal territories and also state policy in places like California. So you can argue bad forest management or maybe bad forest management along with a slight uptick in average temperature. But climate change is not the reason for these wildfires or even the spread of them. There's literally no facts to indicate that. And according to the EPA, the average temperature in California over the past decade has risen, you ready for it, three degrees Fahrenheit. Ah, uh, there you are, Brad, with stubborn facts. Ah, well, I've got more of them. So if... The answer, then, if you believe, you have to believe the wildfires happen due to a three-degree Fahrenheit temperature over the course of a hundred years, or federal and state policy have prevented things like controlled burning, which would have prevented all of those tendered areas, which essentially made those those places explosive devices for fires. You know, that's that's what, but you got... The lunatic Gavin Newsom blaming climate change and Trump and Republican policies. By the way, if we ceased all carbon emissions today, period, everywhere, we would reduce global warming in the year 2100 by just 0.172 degrees Celsius. Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> I guess... Uh... You know, the, the, the left, uh, well, first of all, the left doesn't want to hear those, uh, those facts, Brad. I mean, you, you know, this like <laughs> me they, and my, me and my damn facts, I know they, but they, they're going to just completely like they, they completely dismiss it. And, and instead, and you know, the reason, like you said, the forest management we're here because they don't want us to manage the forest. They don't want us to, I guess, whatever it was it for, is it for the, um, the wildlife, you know, if you manage the forest, you're somehow as a man or a, a species of human and you are, you know, destroying the environment. Um, I mean, what if the truth is, and, and I think this is the truth, is that uh, we're supposed to take care of, of our environment and take care of our surroundings. And if that means we've got to clean up the forest floor to prevent fires, then then that's what we do. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But these people are so far, you mentioned 
political left. They are so far out of what normal, everyday, average people think. And it's that kind of thinking, uh, and I know this is a rabbit trail, but we could go we could go anywhere with this, but the, the idea that you can't manage the forests to prevent forest fires is the same kind of thinking that, you know, uh, now we, we also don't, know which bathroom we're going to use, you know, or at least we have a left saying, that you, you know, we, we, we got to let anybody use any kind of bathroom they want. I mean, when you start to deviate away from common sense, it's in every aspect of the left. It, and a matter of fact, it's, if we're on climate change, let's just talk. Could we get the left to just tell me the temperature that you want the earth to be? Like if I could even get them to just 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 give me a number. See, they won't even give you a number because this is not about getting to a goal and shutting up and going away. No. Um, you know, this is about controlling the weather. I mean, you know, I'll use their liberal logic against them, but they're controlling the weather. Uh, if you if you drive if you drive a compact car instead of an SUV, there'll be less tornadoes. There there was an actual study that 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 came out into the Obama administration claiming this lunacy, and uh, I, I really think it should be offensive to Native Americans. It's it's kind of like a you know a Indian rain dance. Yeah, it's cultural appropriation is what it is. Cultural yeah. appropriation, one hundred percent. Yeah, and if we're not sure if it's offensive to Native Americans, we can always ask Elizabeth Warren, who is <laughs> I understand point zero 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 one Native American. Um, yeah, yeah it, 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 I, I can't believe, by the way, I, I haven't been able to do, I haven't done any kind of uh, media since the Democratic, or well before the Democratic. Can you believe she was part of the Native American Caucus? I cannot believe she was part of the Native American Caucus uh, on national TV. They, they, they really Sarah. just have no uh, shame. They have no shame whatsoever. It's a total and absolute clown show. It literally is. I, I want to talk about this real quick. Dr. Jill Biden, Joe's wife, or, um, you know, he's referred to it, I, I guess, you know, by his own name, you know, depending on what day it is, he, she's Jill or she's the other Joe. But she said today on Twitter, hashtag vote for science. So when we talk about those sort of elements of, you know, the lunacy, I, my my response to her is, OK, well, now how many genders are there? <laughs> if you're all for science, tell me how many genders there are. Yeah. You know, and this is not Baskin Robbins. There isn't 32, right? <laughs> There's 32 flavors. Uh, so, you know, it's it's funny how they like to play the science card when it's convenient. Uh, and, and even in, in this case with what we know about the climate, you know, what they're providing is not science. And we know how big the climate change industry is. Right. As far as a profitability standpoint, there is a lot of money to be made by people with this green movement and talking about the Green New Deal, you know, which would be a disaster for taxpayers. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Green New Deal? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's it's just a way to institute Marxism. Uh, oh. I mean, that's that's what it is. Uh, it is it's not based in science. Um, and, you know, to your point on the science front and, you know, Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden talking about science, you make a great point. But also, I mean, well, also, well, scientifically, when does life begin? I mean, you know, scientifically, yeah. when when does it begin? I mean, if you took a fertilized egg and you put it on Mars and we discovered it, the headline would be life found on Mars. Or, or life found outside, or, you know, I mean, it's, you know, to your point, they're, they're anti-science. The, the Green New Deal is, uh, 
is is just it's just might as well say it. I mean, it's uh, it's the 21st century version of uh, uh, the Communist Manifesto, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, they they've got to just they've got to crush the industry. Um, they've got to take. By the way, but what iron, ironic thing about all this is uh, they take all this money from um, a capitalist system to try to destroy it, to try to write something like the Green New Deal, to try to write something that would also understandably bankrupt the country. Uh, in terms of the um, amount of money, not to mention the amount of jobs that it would kill, um, the 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 left in this country wants to destroy. That's they're 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 the destruction party. They're not the party trying to create. They're not the party that's trying to preserve. Contrary to what they claim, they're they're trying to actually tear down everything, and uh, that's why this selection is so important, Brad. And I know you know that, but it's yeah. it's extremely important. Uh, and you hear it every single. I've I've been guilty. I you know this is the most important election I've. Been through a bunch of them. This is the most important election of your lifetime, uh, and I, I honestly, I do believe that this time it is because the the choices couldn't be clearer, and specifically with law and order too. I mean, if you're just if you don't know what you believe about, you know, uh, welfare, or you don't know what you believe about uh, climate change or whether or not it's real, uh, none of those issues are even worth debating if you don't have a secure. Uh, way to enforce the laws and protect your property and protect your life, and that is with a funded police system. Uh, yeah, and if it's up to the Democrats, if they're in charge, we may not have that. And again, that goes to the importance of this election, as you mentioned. We have violent riots right now continuing around the country, and more recently we saw Ricardo Munoz shot and killed by Lancaster, Pennsylvania police in what to me looks like a textbook justified shooting followed by two L.A. sheriff's deputies ambushed and shot at close range in their patrol car. Uh, and then we had Black Lives Matter. They were blocking the hospital entrance and then trying to get into the hospital after the officers were brought in there. This is, you know, this is it goes back to your law and order, but this is depressing stuff, right? Yeah, and and again, the the mainstream media they don't they don't want to show they don't want to show any of this, and now of co of course you have all the the rhetoric, uh, the anti police rhetoric. Um, it's it's now all I, I, you mentioned those those two L.A. Uh, county uh, sheriff's deputies. I, I watched the video. Yeah, I, I watched the coward. I, I watched him, him him shoot those rounds, and now we we've seen the other side that. Uh, the victims uh, did really. Now they got out of surgery. Praise God. Uh, I, I don't know what the recovery looks like, but it looks like they're going to survive. But to then to see the, to hear them radio for help, uh, to to see them both shot in the head, or, uh, uh, it, you know, this this should be on every major news network, and and we should be saying we've got to stop. We have to stop. We have. But you have the Democrat governors that don't want the president's help, all because of an election, all because they hate him so much and they don't want him to be reelected. The party apparatus doesn't want him to be reelected. Uh, and, and and so now we have this country that's descended into violence, and they they want to dare blame the president uh, when this is literally missing. It's the biggest misinformation campaign uh, you know, in, in American history for sure, but maybe in the entire world. Um, and it's just sick. I mean, it's it, it it's sick, and it's avoidable. It, but but it's only avoidable if if you want to have a country. You know, the president. I, I in 2016, I wasn't a 
Trump supporter at first. Um, I was more of a at first a Rand Paul guy, and then uh, uh, then you know I did back uh, Ted Cruz. Um, and, uh, then of course, you know, Trump wins and I was sitting here scratching my head, you know, I was on talk radio for, you know, uh, it was 10 years in January and, and then, uh, you know, we're sitting there in in the talk radio circles, we're preaching these esoteric ideas, uh, about the constitution and, uh, about limited government and, Mm -hmm. and here comes the president and he doesn't hit those things. Uh, uh, now he has instinctively protected the constitution. In his right. term, he's instinctively upheld federalism and and he's done an amazing job, but he did not campaign that way. And so for, I've tried to psychoanalyze myself, you know, uh, what was I thinking back then? Um, obviously, I voted for the president, the easiest decision ever, and he has uh, blown away any expectations I had for him. And I'm so thankful that he's the president. But he would say this on the campaign trail. You know, you got to have a wall or you don't have a country. You got to have borders or you don't have a country. And you got to have law and order or you don't have a country. You, and, and, and you know what not having a country looks like? Not having a country looks like what you're seeing in these major cities with these riots. With And that's what these are. These are riots. These are not peaceful protests, although I'm sure there's some people that are peacefully protesting. But even they say that they've been hijacked. And, and, and you know, and I, I know I've harped on the media, Brad, but I just want to make one one more point and 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 I know in this during this the, the course of this podcast what does it really mean uh this is what we're going to be you know talking about is is the media but I this headline from the Associated Press uh talks about the quote protests the, uh, about Ricardo Munoz now you mentioned that you saw the video this guy comes out of of the house with a knife chasing a police officer the police officer turns and runs and then puts the guy down. And now, first of all, Brad, that to me is perfectly reasonable. I don't think anybody would expect the police officer to just let this guy catch up to him and stab him to death. You you wouldn't think, except I do see, you know, this element of Black Lives Matter that seems to uh, be portraying him as somewhat of a hero or a martyr. And it's like, again, you watch the video as we have, it's a clear case of self-defense. By the way, I was a police officer. That was my first career. That's wow. what my uh, college degree's in. So, you know, I have a little bit more experience than the average person in this. And I, you know, it was the, the person, by the way, that was charging uh, the officer with a knife, Ricardo Munoz, had stabbed four people last year. So w- would this guy do that? Hell yeah, he would. He did it. Right. So we, he got charged with that last year. Uh, and then there was a domestic incident, always dangerous situations. The officer appears to be by himself, and he comes running out the door like a complete lunatic. Yes. I mean, this guy looked like a complete lunatic. Uh, it was like, it was it was almost kind of like, uh, it was just crazy. The image was crazy. And he's got the knife up in his hand, and he's running at the cop. And the cop takes off running, because he doesn't want to shoot the guy. Yeah. Right. Cops don't want to shoot people. Newsflash. And he's firing over his back there as he's running from this person who's charging him with a knife. And and this was, again, a clear textbook case. But even the media, when they covered this, oh, police shoot black man or, you know, they conveniently leave out a lot uh-huh. of the facts. Right. Uh, and again, yeah. that yeah. goes to that narrative. <laughs> and you're you're right. Uh, uh, Ricardo. Uh, uh, Munoz, 
was called a black man in the initial reporting, uh, especially in this AP article. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, police posted the officer's body camera video, social media showing the man chasing the officer down the sidewalk. Police eventually used tear gas early Monday to disperse hundreds of protesters who took to the streets uh, of the diverse city of 59,000 people in the heart of Pennsylvania. Uh, now it says in parentheses, the Associated Press cor- corrected this story to remove references to Munoz being black. <laughs> Authorities have not identified his race. Okay, uh, and, and then we we skip down and we we have the Associated Press. <laughs> and I cannot believe they said this when they when they're talking about the uh, the protests or the riots that uh, continued. Uh, quote, it was unclear how motivated protesters were by racism, as uh, they have been in other cities where deaths at the hands of police have stoked protest. I'm just thinking, oh, I'm sorry, you you called this guy black. You called right. him black at first, and you're wondering if they were reacting over racism? Oh, and, and I will say, because this is an AP story, um, a little bit institutional memory here. The term white Hispanic was a term created out of thin air by the Associated Press during the George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin incident. When George Zimmerman shot Trayvon Martin, they called him a white Hispanic, just a foment race. And, you know, if you really go back to that incident, by the way, and how the Obama administration handled it and how the Eric Holder Justice Department handled it, um, you know, we know that he was the most divisive president. He, he didn't want to heal any sort of racial problems that this country has. He, he wanted to exploit them. And that's exactly what the media is doing right now. But, yeah, it's unclear how motivated protesters were by race when we erroneously called him a black man. And a newsflash, a guy by the name of Ricardo Munoz isn't black. I know that's hard to believe, Brad. Oh, the narrative is so strong. And of course, we had Black Lives Matter out that same day protesting. And when I say protesting, I mean violent protesting, which is not really protesting, but it's it's destroying things. It's attacking police. Uh, it, it was really incredible. And they were actually chanting this person's name. And again, it reminds me of the Jacob Blake scenario. Here's an, an armed felon who's literally a danger to his family. And he attacks police, and he's the martyr, and he's the hero in the eyes of the media and the Black Lives Matter organization. It's incredible. Yeah. And how does the rape victim, how does Jacob Blake's rape victim feel when people are putting her rapists on their football helmets or jerseys or promotions or whatever it is the professional sports are doing? I Obviously, I'm not watching right now because it's just absolutely disgusting. I mean, I I cannot believe this is where we are. Uh, The Me Too left, right? The Me Too left. It just shows you how fast they will ditch these causes uh, when they suit their uh, political goals. And they certainly done this. They don't care that uh, Jacob Blake uh, was, you know, uh, or a rapist allegedly. They they don't they don't care about that. They just care how the police responded, and justifiably so. That's what you would do if you go to your car. Uh, if you're gonna if you're if I would expect it to be shot. I'm a white guy. I would fully expect to be shot if I behaved like Jacob Blake, or if I behaved like Mr. Munoz uh, holding a knife. Now, uh, Munoz, and this is this is the uh, the the emotional argument that the press loves to use. Well, he suffered from schizophrenia. 
And that's why Munoz was killed. He, he suffered from schizophrenia and mm. he was off of his medication. And, uh, and, and, and allegedly, uh, I think the family had called somebody other than a police number and they were trying to have him involuntarily committed. I mean, I'm not disputing that it's a tragic situation for the family, but I mean, come on, he, he's schizophrenic and he's not on his medication and he comes at the police with a knife. There's no sympathy here, uh, you know. Again, again, aside from the bad situation, but there's there's no sympathy that this was somehow unjustified. You can't go after a police officer with a knife and expect to walk away with your life. No, absolutely not. I mean, of any race, and this was, you know, not a racial shooting by police. Race was not a motivator in the shooting. The motivator was a, a person coming out with a knife, charging at them to stab and kill them. And police don't have an obligation to be stabbed and killed. They have an obligation to defend themselves and go home to their families. And, and I really do have to say, I mean, a lot of this blame falls on the left and people like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. I mean, when you think about it, you know, Joe Biden says he believes there is absolutely serious systemic racism in law enforcement. He said for too long, black Americans, they've lived with uh, uh it, it says a knee on their neck. That's what he actually said. And then in a campaign ad a week prior, said every day black people wake up believing their life is in danger. What an irresponsible thing for Joe Biden to say. I mean, this guy is a former vice president and is the Democratic Party candidate for president. I mean, it's incredible. You have Kamala Harris, who's raising funds for these violent rioters and who actually goes to visit Jacob Blake. I mean, how do you think that victim feels as Kamala Harris it, it says that this guy's a hero, he's inspirational. Or Jacob Blake, how do you think the victim feels? I, 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 gosh, I, I have no idea. I mean, can you imagine if you're like uh, the family of the rape victim, like you're, and, and you're also watching this? I mean, you would just absolutely be, be outraged. Um, and, and you know, you would think this would be a slam dunk. I mean, if you look at the issues, if you were to like wind the clock back 10 years and this was the train wreck of the, the, the political campaign of the Democrat party, where they are clearly the party of that's not law and order. But then when they're confronted about it, Joe Biden just lies and says, oh, I don't want to defund the police, but the president, uh, Pre president Trump wants to defund the police. I mean, as, as bad as the mainstream media is now, I mean, if you were to wind back the clock 10 years, even the mainstream media, I, I think this is how bad they've gotten. It's just gotten exponentially worse. Even the mainstream media would have been like, that's not true. Like that <laughs> the president has not said he wants to defund the police. Your side actually has said this. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and this is, this is all we have here. Um, and I just don't see how, uh, unless it's in, and unless the, like back to our first point, unless the media lies and there's some way to steal it. And I think we know they, they're moving the pawns in place to potentially steal the election. Um, and that's why we've just, the president needs to win in a landslide here. He needs to win in a landslide. He doesn't need one state or two states in order to get to 270. I mean, you know, we need to look back on this and be like, my goodness, you know, he could have lost. He could have lost Pennsylvania and still won. You know, like I know that's maybe uh, too optimistic, but I'm just saying that's yeah. what we need to happen here. A hundred percent. This has got to be a landslide for President Trump or it's going to be a battle. I mean, it's very, very clear at this point. Uh, and, and by the way, to your earlier point there about defunding the police, 
It's the old accuse your opponent of what you're actually doing. It's the Democrat playbook. Right? We've seen that time and time again. Look, the truth is you're more likely to be struck and killed by lightning as a black American than the police. That's a fact. Uh, so, you know, facts matter. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, all cops are great. Cops don't make mistakes, right? We have to give them the best training and they do have to have high expectations. And when they're in the wrong, we should we should take care of that. Like we should enforce that. We should hold them to that high standard and do something about it. So the public feels like there's accountability. But that's not what we have here, right? <laughs> I mean, we have very clear textbook shootings in these cases we just mentioned. And in some racist conspiracy that is being promoted by the left that black people are dying everywhere from police. It's really simple. The facts absolutely do not indicate that. It's not true. So, man. Yeah, hands up, hands up, don't shoot was a lie. And I it mean, was a lie. And and in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, because of the you know the killing of Munoz, uh, that that's what that's one of the things they were shouting. Hands up, don't shoot. No justice, no peace. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it now? Hands up, don't shoot. The only reason people know that is because the main, mainstream media actively deceived the American people, and they're doing that as we speak right now. Mainstream media in this country actively deceiving the American people. That's why you said it earlier, Brad, that the president said it. They're the enemy of the American people. Matter of fact, you know, the first person to call the media in my in my memory, the first person to call the media the enemy of the American people was in the 2012 presidential race. It was Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. and It was former Democrat pollster Pat Cadell. I think the late former Democrat. I think he's passed away. Pat Cadell was on Fox News one night. And it was over the Benghazi, uh, the Benghazi September 11th attacks, where Susan Rice lied about a video, yeah, uh, and everything else. And that's when, and and then the media refused to actually tell the truth. You had what was it, Candy Crowley on the CNN debate with Mitt Romney and Obama, uh, correcting mm -hmm. Mitt Romney on the Benghazi thing. You know, just blatant activist journalism. And that's when Pat Cadell first called uh, a former Democrat pollster first called or the media the enemy of the American people. And I remember when he said that. I was like, wow, that's an inflammatory thing to say. I mean, I agreed with him, but nobody had ever really said it. And, you know, he said it. Obviously, the president has said it, and more and more Americans now believe it. Uh, and I, I think it's getting quote, close to the point. And we'll, we'll know on November 4th, hopefully, if we actually know. But when we know the outcome of the election, we're going to know how many people are actually, when they hear the media say, say one thing, are now starting to believe the complete opposite. Um, and I think there's more and more people that are that are uh, doing that now. Yeah, by the way, there was a time when CNN was just a headline news show and they were actually reputable and you could watch them without feeling like they were carrying water for the Democrat Party. It's actually incredible. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm kind of a, a big movie guy, but uh, Judy Dench and Goldeneye with Pierce Brosnan and James yeah. Bond, uh, she said, we prefer not to get our news from CNN. Yeah, that was when CNN was... <laughs> Was at least you could, you know, somewhat trust it. Right. Yeah, it's it, the the shift amongst the mainstream media has been incredible. Not that they were ever completely fair or even right-leaning, uh, but they were never so just out and in your face obvious about what they're actually doing. I mean, it really is troubling. And that that's why you have to listen to our podcast each and every week. We know it's a lot of information that comes in. It's a lot to unpack. We know you have busy lives. That's why we do it for you, 
and we find out what it really means. So thanks for joining us on our first ever episode. Really appreciate your support. Please make sure to download, rate, and subscribe. Our podcast is available literally everywhere. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on. I won't bore you. But anywhere you find your favorite podcast, you can find this. We appreciate your support. Paul, what's your social media? What do you want to plug? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at PaulHarrell1776. Everyone give Paul a follow. And, of course, you can follow me at the Brad Shepherd on Twitter and all of my work on UncoverDC.com. 